Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Spirit Normal? Yes. And uh, we're not talking about Bigfoot tonight. No more cryptids. We are on a hiatus. Yeah, we're on a hiatus from cryptids for a little while. At least for the next three or four shows, I would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, we've got a kind of a different one for you guys tonight. Um, this is an interesting topic, and it's a documentary that I actually ran across just randomly when I was watching stuff on Amazon Prime one day. And it's called The Slave Circle. And it's a documentary about the world of multi-level marketing. And uh, it was interesting when I ran across it because you and I, Serfiel, had been talking about the New Thought Movement Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And so it fit in quite well with some of the topics that we've been talking about. And I reached out to the director of this film, Alex Simchuk, and he is here on Conspiranormal. Alex, welcome to Conspiranormal. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was telling you in the kind of our pre-show banter that I really enjoyed the documentary. I uh, I got a lot out of it, more out of it, I think, the second time around. Uh, because, you know, sometimes when you watch things, you're, you are kind of digesting and taking in the information and this time i saw a little bit more like techniques in the film that you <laughs> you kind of cleverly put in there um such as the fact that just about everybody in it is their faces are all blurred out and they're usually just like these nightmarish um talking mouths <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's something you did purposely or that was uh i know it had to have been because you didn't want to reveal people's identities but uh it it, it does give a kind of unsettling quality to the documentary yeah and part of the part of the, the talking mouse like you mentioned is that those are the people that are are in the training videos that i don't know if they still use them or not but um when you come on board to the business, you get this um, Google Drive link and you have all these videos, all these documents for training and whatever. And those videos were on there and those were produced after I left the, the business. But uh, I thought it would, it would be useful, of course, to blur the face, but to just also show like, like the nonverbals, because you could you could get so much out of nonverbal communication. And just by looking at, you know, the the sinister kind of smile and you combine mm-hmm. that with the the vocal intonation, everybody talks the same in the business. It just, it has this really, like you mentioned, like uncomfortable quality to it. Yeah. I I noticed one thing in it that was interesting was when it, when you, when you show these clips of these people talking and there's a lot of phrases that are used and such one of them that stood out to me was like, well, by the end of the day, by the end of the day, You hear that a lot coming from those clips that you use in the film. And then I hear you guys that have been involved in the business, as you call it, have that have been involved in this and you 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 guys are using the same phrase like the end of the day the end of the day so it's almost like all this stuff that's been drilled into you and we're going to talk about the psychological techniques but like it's it, it even shows that like it's affected the people that have even radically left it behind like you have yeah um and i still talk to people um weekly um who who have left the business and um some of them agree to be interviewed which is the web series that has followed the film but um yeah i've spoken to a few that have said months years out psychologically still there's some healing that needs to be done there is still some kind of triggers out there that bring back thoughts and things like that so it's and and we're talking about a a business here we're talking about a company that is supposedly helping you own and own your own business and work in your best interests which those those two things don't match so i think most most people have encountered these multi-level marketing companies in their life uh almost everyone has stories about you know like a friend of yours like hey man i got something to show you and then he's trying to sell you on whatever but Mm -hmm. uh how did how did you first get exposed to this company uh to this business and uh what what were some of the first things that you think you should have paid attention to that as warning signs? Sure. Well, first, um, a lot of people, when they hear multi-level marketing, they automatically think uh, – there's a number of companies that come to mind, right? We think Amway. We think Herbalife. Um, maybe Advocare. Um, you know, any, anything like that where – Mary you, Kay. 
Mary Kay, yeah, absolutely. So you 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 kind of sign up for something, you you pay to play, so to speak. You might have to buy a, a a starter package, and then you sell products to your friends and family. Well, what's what's very sinister about whatever you want to call this business? If you want to call it Smart Circle, Sidcor, Credico, any any name, Innovage, any of these names that it has, what's sinister about it is it's not designed to look like any of those companies. Because you actually go out to the public and sell these products. You're standing, you're literally doing the same thing. You're just doing it in a Sam's Club, in a Kroger, in a Walmart, in a Costco, in a Meyer, and you're talking to strangers instead of bugging your 100 friends on Facebook. So, how I got exposed to it was I was looking for a job. Um, I was I was working full time. Um, that opportunity ended. So I was looking, I was out of work for a couple months, looking for work, going on the job boards, um, different job websites and things like that. And I started searching for marketing because my background is all in communication and media. So I started looking at marketing and I came across a link. It's probably on Monster or one of those websites and it's a hiring now. And I almost didn't click on it. I think I actually scrolled past it. Um, but then I went back up and I'm like, yeah, what the hell? So I, I clicked on it, read it. Um, honestly, don't remember what it said, but I'm sure it was one of these very vague, open-ended descriptions that all of these companies use where you can read it and you still don't know what you'll be doing day to day. And so I applied for that, um, went through the whole interview process, which is detailed in the film. I mean, honestly, I, I went to my second round interview and still didn't know what I was going to be doing. Second round interview was at a Sam's club, but then I saw, okay, well, it looks like I'm going to be selling these products to people, you know? And, but at the time I needed a job, I needed work, I needed experience. So I was willing to give it a shot, even though the office that I ended up having to go to every weekday, Monday through Friday, uh, was well over an hour from, where I was living. Hmm. But, um, you know, it's, it's disguised as this great opportunity because when you go in the second round interview and after, you know, if you answer the questions correctly, you present yourself well, you go see the sales performance and then you go back and then they kind of break down the structure of the company and they say, you know, you're going to start out entry level. Then you're going to progress through the company after about a year or so you may be promoted to what they call manager, owner, what have you. And you'll be pulling down seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars a year. Now, for someone like me, who even nowadays in my mid-thirties is probably about ten years from paying off my college loans, that sounded fantastic. So, if I felt okay, well, if I have to stand in a store for a year and sell stuff, and you know, do something that doesn't really seem that glamorous, but the payoff's going to be that great, yeah, let's do it. So that's really what drew me into it. Um, and honestly, when I was there, it was such a different environment. Like we know what the stereotypical work environment is. You go to work, you, you show up, you do your job, you know, you hate Mondays, you don't really like what you do, but you do it to get paid and then you come home. This was such a different environment because you go in the office, everybody's smiling, everybody's happy, there's music playing, 
everybody's talking about their goals that they're setting for the day and for the week. And what do I, what am I going to accomplish today? What worked well yesterday? What needs to be done better? We have these high energy meetings that are meant to make you feel good about yourself and make you feel like you belong to this close knit group of people. And it was something that you can really get a high from mentally. So exposed to that, it was almost like you're blinded to a lot of the red flags. And a lot of the people that I've talked about, I've talked to since I've left the, the business have said the same thing. It's like they, they almost blind you to it. They distract you with all of that, with all that feel goodness and the music and all that, that wonderful stuff that you, you're not allowed to really think critically about it. So really it wasn't until I got completely burnt out and decided to leave 15 months later, literally lost over a year of my life to this nonsense is when I started to really think back about the inconsistencies and the false promises and the strange things that, that actually happened, but I decided not to pay attention to. I want to get to some of the psychological techniques and all that and about the, but the, the structure and all that, but just kind of continuing your personal story. Mm-hmm. Like how did you fare doing it? Because um, according to the documentary, I mean, you, you had a pretty, you got a pretty rough time with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it just took over time a big toll um, yeah. phys- physically because you're on, if you really think about what you have to do all day, it doesn't matter what you're selling. If you're selling hot and cold muscle, muscle packs, if you're selling direct TV or, or sprint phones or whatever it is you are on your feet all day yeah. and you, you cannot take a break of more than maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Otherwise you are lazy and you're a failure. So you have to, you have to be on your feet all day. When I got home every night, I was exhausted and mentally it takes a toll on you too, because, and I know we're going to talk about the psychological techniques, but you are never good enough. Like they always are trying to, they, they call it a build, break, build. So when they're having a conversation with you, something you did well, something you can do better and end on something you did well. But there's always that one thing you can do better. And and depending on the on the owner, depending on the leader, depending on how your performance is, they can really fixate on those things that you're not doing well. So over time, it really becomes, um, you know, psychologically draining, you know, so you're on your feet all day. Um, I know in the film, I said this, I lost over 30 pounds. Um, yeah. yeah, I had a lot of problems in my relationships. I almost got divorced, lost a lot of friends, had no relationship with family, but that's another technique they use isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, why we tie this into cults so often is that's another very common technique of cults is to isolate you from your support system. So honestly, it, it was just something that you did. You would, you would get up every day early you would make the drive and someday honestly i don't know how I, I made the drive it was just like autopilot you get in the car you take the same road the same highways every day when there's congestion you slow down when there's not you speed up you get to the office and you're just like a programmed robot you just do it over and over and over again because you need you need the paycheck as small as it is you're still getting the minimum wage paycheck out of it so yeah you're I basically a job. An, an automaton at that point yeah, you know, I, I had I had the job, or as they'll say, the opportunity, 
And yeah. if I kept pushing myself, you know, ideally I'll get to owner and then I'll be making six figures and then life will be better. But, you know, that's, that's why it's so difficult for so many people to see what's happening and to, to leave earlier than I did. And you were there for, what, was it 15 months? You said 15 months. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good long time. Mm-hmm. What, so the structure of this, how does it work? Because you use the you, you use the terminology of the pyramid scheme. Of course, they say it's not a pyramid scheme, right? But it essentially is, just in a different way than we think of a pyramid scheme. So, this um, you know, who are the people? You know, what's the levels that you like? These people are attaining to work to. Yeah, and and technically, if we're going by technical legal definition of what a pyramid scheme actually is. Smart Circle is technically not a pyramid yeah. scheme. That's why it's actually like legal, said, right? Ex- yeah. But like you said, it, it kind of acts the same way. And if you really structure it the way it's, you know, how many people are in it, it looks like a pyramid, oddly enough. And most MLMs are structured like a pyramid. So there, there's not a coincidence there. But so basically everybody comes in at an entry level. And you learn what they call the systems. Those are your scripts. Those are the, the things that you recite over and over and over again to condition your brain and your sales techniques and all that. Um, when I was in the business, if you, uh, you had to reach a certain certain threshold of sales, um, it's a little bit different on the uh, – because I, I sold products in stores. It's a little bit different with the DirecTV and all the other techno stuff that they're – the signups that they call. Um but you have to reach a certain threshold. If you reach that threshold, usually within four to six weeks, you get promoted to team leader. So then once you're team leader, you start building a team. So if you reach your sales goal for the day or signups goal for the day, then your owner will likely give you an interview. So that means somebody, the receptionist likely got an email or a job application, or they're just cold calling people uh, from like a job websites and uh, they've agreed to an interview, so they're going to send that person to you. And if that, if you close that person, if you make the job sound good enough and they're hired, then they're on your team. So then you start to build a team. So as you're going through the, the field, as they call it, you're going to the stores every day. As long as you keep hitting your goals, you're going to keep getting interviews. And if you close enough interviews, then you'll have however many people on your team, okay? Now, when I was in the business, if you trained three people on your team to get them to leaders, so they got promoted to the second level, and then one of their team members, one of they them started a team and one of them got promoted to leader, giving you four, then technically you met the requirements to be promoted to assistant manager, okay. level three. Now, assistant manager, you're learning the ins and outs of the office, um, payroll, scheduling, uh, third round interviews, those types of things. And you kind of get – you're, you're being prepped to own your own business. That's what they call it. It's not owning your own business at all. But they call it owning your own business. So after a couple of months as assistant manager, then you get promoted out to open your own office. So you are then the manager. Um, now, really, that's all that's talked about in the interview process. 
But above manager, there are other levels as well. So if you are a manager, if you're an owner and you promote out a certain number of people that open their own offices, then you can become a regional consultant. And then if you do that long enough and well enough, you could even become a national consultant. And that's supposedly where the millions upon millions of, of dollars is in this business. Although, having talked to a few former owners who got to know regional and national consultants very well, there's not a whole lot of money there either. So there's there's really not a whole lot of consistency in in anything that you hear about this business that comes from the business itself. Yeah. And the people at the top are almost kind of like very shadowy and shady. You don't sometimes know exactly who really is in charge of any of this stuff. They're ascended masters. Yeah, yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah, if you go, there's a, a wonderful website, and and I, I still have no idea who, who the author of the website is. Um, most people don't know who the author of the website is. The website's called Devil Corp. So if you just Google Devil Corp, it'll take you there. It's called an unchallenged assessment of, a, of this sinister company. And if you, there's a, a page on there called, um, it used to be called Executive Teams. I think it's photos now or something. But you can see pictures and names of all the higher-ups of Smart Circle, Credico, Sidcor, all these, all these companies, uh, you know, consultants, owners that have been in there for probably decades now. So you can actually get some of the names and some of the faces um, if you're looking to kind of see, well, who are these sinister, shady people that are calling the shots yeah and i also hit on something that you just said um where you said about third round interviews what's funny is you've got a three-step interview process for this company that will just take anybody yeah yeah literally they will they will take anybody as long as you have some type of presence you have you have a resume you don't need any experience um they're they're not even honestly sometimes they, they'll still start uh target people with that, that haven't even graduated high school yet. So, I mean, you yeah. literally don't need anything. They will come find you. And and that's unfortunate because if you're in search of work and you go to Indeed or uh, Monster, these job postings are everywhere on these websites. There are every city across the country, every kind of job title you can imagine. So just because it doesn't say marketing, it doesn't mean that it's not one of these companies. They will call the same position by hundreds of names just to get people to apply. Let's talk about, and we'll start getting into the psychological techniques here. Because on the first day, you are instantly just bombarded with all these, all this different language and these different rules and these different uh, acronyms, mm -hmm. and let's talk about that because there's a lot of just psychological conditioning that is going on just in the first day. Sure. Well, to borrow a term from the Bush administration, it's pretty much shock and awe. Okay. Yeah. You you go in you go in the office, and you really you really don't know what to expect. So when you're bombarded with like I said before, the smiles and the friendly faces and the, the pumped up music to get you going and goals, 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 positive thinking. It, it slaps you in the face, really. It's like, what the hell am I getting myself into? But it feels good at the same time. So you don't question it. So first day conditioning, I know from being a leader for over a year that if you have multiple people starting on the first day, 
one of the primary things to do is to keep them separate from each other. You don't want them to congregate because you don't want them to compare notes. You don't want them to talk about like, and this is kind of weird, isn't it? You want to separate them. Mm-hmm. You want to be, you want to have a leader by their side at all times to kind of guide them through the day, through the morning. And then, yeah, so the, one of the first things you that they do is you go into this room and one telltale sign of this business is the room will be filled with whiteboards. There will be whiteboards on all the walls is they'll start teaching you the first system, which is called five steps to a conversation. And what they'll tell you is, okay, I'm going to teach you this system, take notes on it. When you come back tomorrow, you have to teach it back verbatim. So literally every single word that this person writes on the board, you have to write down in your notebook. The next day you come back, you teach it back to them. You write it down on the board and then hopefully you've taught it back. And if, if you have taught it back, then there's a celebration. They'll be like, hey, guys, so-and-so just taught back their first system or five steps. And then there's cheers. You're going to get high fives. And then that's a jolt to your mental energy. You're like, wow, this is pretty freaking cool. All right, I'm yeah. getting high fives my second day of work. So then that kind of inspires you. Okay, what's the next system? Let's learn the next one. So from the second you walk in, you're being conditioned. But you also point out that if you miss one word, you get it wrong. Yep. You get some, you're, you're almost like penalized for it. And then you got to go back, relearn it perfectly. And you feel bad about it because yeah. that's actually what happened to me because I didn't teach it back my first day. And the person I was ta- taught it to, they, you know, like, so they know that's not right. You got to do it tomorrow. And I, I literally felt bad. I was like, oh, shit, man. So, you know, the next day or the, the, that evening, the next morning, I'm, I'm studying. I'm, I'm making sure that I nail this word for word. And I was able to finally teach it back. But if, you, if it takes you like twice and you haven't taught it back yet, then you, you're probably going to get what they call a critical conversation. They're going to sit you down, very scripted, and they'll tell you something probably like, hey, you know, uh, you know we, we work at a much faster pace. We are an accelerated management program, and you still haven't taught back your first system yet. I'm kind of concerned. What's going on? So they're putting you on your back foot as if this is your fault. You're not in this to be serious. So from the, yeah, from the first day, it's, it's complete psychological manipulation and then everything else after you teach that back then they have this multi-step meeting they have uh they have a workshop they have an what they call an impact which is just like this short little meeting they'll practice pitch probably and then the owner will come out and they'll give another inspirational meeting about the opportunity or how much money or positive thinking or whatever it is and then you leave the office feeling really good, feeling really pumped up about it. And that's specifically designed, number one, it's designed for the employees because you're about to go out and stand in a store for nine hours and talk to people who want nothing to do with you. These people that you encounter at Sam's and Kroger and, and Costco, they want nothing to do with you. They hate you. Yeah. So they're pumping you up to get you through that. But then for the new people, it's also like your your team leader will come out afterwards and be like really positive. Hey, so so what did you think? This was kind of cool, wasn't it? Pretty pretty cool first day. Definitely different than any place you've ever worked before. So unless you were just completely weirded out and uncomfortable by it, as some people are, you'll probably come back the next day just because it was a different experience. Yeah, I would be weirded out by it. I'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm like the village of the damned or the invasion of the body snatchers. That's what, that's how I'd feel. <laughs> 
but to point out too, you know that, uh, and I think this is very subtle. When they bring you into the room, you're standing the entire time. Oh yes, yes. No, n- not a single chair. Um, it's it's said because the the meetings are early in the morning, usually about nine a.m., um, maybe even earlier, eight a.m. during the holidays. But it's it's said. Um, well, we have to keep you awake. It's early. We're high energy. We want you to. You want. We want that energy from you. We want you to stay awake. So that's why we don't have any chairs here. But that's another very subtle manipulation tactic. I mean, that's straight out of the military. Mm-hmm. Well, there's just so many parallels with with cults. If you remember in the news that Nexium cult, didn't that actually start out as one of these multi-level marketing companies? It is entirely possible. I'm not sure. It's crazy, crazy. But yeah, I mean the 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 te- there are so many of these MLMs, and and I'll I'll group. They'll say it's not, but I'm going to group Smart Circle and these companies in because they're structured exactly like these other MLMs. They use those very cult-like mind control techniques in order to get you to stay in, even if it's against your own your own interests. Yeah, it's all repetition. Language and symbol systems. Yeah. It, so, one of the acronyms, JUICE. <laughs> yes. Which uh, <laughs> you used to get some good comedic effect in the in the film, but uh, stands for "Join us in creating excitement." Now, this yes. is this is another technique that is used. Yeah, um, you will usually encounter that. On your pretty much on your maybe on your first day, um, it's 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 a way to express excitement. Normally, how it's used in in context is uh, an owner will be giving their or top leader will be giving their inspirational meeting, and they'll say something, and then they'll say juice as a question. So they'll have the inflection juice, and then the response is automatically juice, like as a chorus, as a group, juice, juice. And so it's, it's a call and response. It yeah. literally is. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a way of, it's literally just, it's an affirmative. It's like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. That's literally what it is. It's used in other forms uh, too. If, if someone sold beyond their dreams the other day, they had a really juicy day or if they're going on a road show and the store has always been really um, a, a huge moneymaker in the past. It's a really juicy store. Um, so they, yeah, they use that in, in so many different ways. Um, and, and it creeps into your, to your conversation. Like you, you will be on the phone with people in this business and they say something that sounds really good or sound, you know, you agree with, and you'll say juice, man, juice by you. That's fantastic. And yeah, every, every cult, every, every, yeah being every entity like that has that terminology and that is probably the most most often used one in this business is juice yeah it's a secret language yeah essentially the like mm-hmm. the almost like the the acolytes of the cult are communicating with each other and only words that they understand sure <laughs> and so yeah, they do speak a language all their own and so when you're when you go out into the field or rather even before you're really out they also use another technique uh, more. It's just, it's just more this whole wearing people down to where you got to be on these conference calls all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you didn't get a good dosage of indoctrination in the morning meeting, 
then you're going to get it in the conference call, um, which is really the perfect time for it because you, you have to be on these conference calls. And it's while you're driving, so you have nothing else to do. You have, you're looking at the road and you're driving, but instead of listening to your favorite music, relaxing, whatever, you're being ingrained with these, with this propaganda essentially is what it is. So, mm-hmm. um, depending on the campaign, it might be once a week, it might be twice a week. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's usually the same stuff It goes over the same things you talk about in the morning, morning meetings, it might be sales techniques. It might be challenges that certain people around the country are facing. It might be the launch of a new bundle. Um, but yeah, it's it's literally it's literally just it's propaganda in, in its purest form. And when they send you guys out into the field, they are teaching the people in the field. They're teaching them these sales techniques, and these are also just psychological techniques that are used on the customer themselves. And this is the stuff that I think almost really blew my mind because this is some of the most subtle techniques that I've ever seen. And one that stood out to me was where you point this out, but you know, they say, um, and that's on totally on purpose. It's just to spread out, I guess the, the, the tension, the excitement, but there's so many other things. Can you kind of go over some of that stuff that, that was done yeah. On the customer. So, absolutely. So, so the sales techniques, absolutely. So the exact same ways that entry level recruits are kept are, are manipulated to stay in the business and show up every day. The exact same techniques are used on customers to buy things. And, um, yeah, it was quoted. One of the people I interviewed, I think it was actually in the film said, they're not just they're not just teaching you how to sell, they're selling the job to you. So they're, mm-hmm. they're using the exact same techniques every, to everybody. So um, one of the things that we've been, we were taught to do was you read the store. So you walk through the store a little bit and you get a sense of what people are doing. Are people just kind of taking their time, not really in a rush? If that's the case, you don't want to sound overly ambitious. You want to be very relaxed. If you're approaching someone with a product or asking them a question, just, hey, really quick, let me ask you something. Or if you're doing a show style where they do the intercom pitch and they're advertising free gifts, it's a very calm announcement. We're going to be handing out free gifts in two minutes over at aisle, whatever. In some stores, you may even sound nonchalant, be like, kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, If you don't want to come, don't come. But if you have a store... Where people are, you know, they're they're going in the store to get what they need. They're walking around really quick. It seems like they're in a rush. You have to match their level. So that's where you'll hear the excited PA announcement. That's where someone will come up to you and be like, hey, real quick, here, check it out. So let me ask you, what who, who's your cable TV subscriber? Who's your phone provider? They want to match that level to match match the customer. Yeah. So so that's where it begins, number one. Then as you go through the script, there are also certain things. So five steps to a conversation is the structure of the pitch. So you have the introduction, you have the short story. um, Eventually you get to the close. That's the price points. You always say the high price first and you say it in dollars. You say the low price next in bucks bucks. because bucks doesn't sound as expensive as dollars. That's amazing. Yep, exactly. And (laughs) – 
And, and if, if they're unsure, you don't want to push it. You, you lay on what we call the indifference. Hey, you know what? It's totally up to you. You throw your hands up in the business. They call it the panda paws. Imagine a panda bear standing with his paws up at attention. It's totally up to you. You take a couple steps back. You kind of ask another question. So can I interest you in, in grabbing one today? Oh, I'm not sure. Hey, you know what? It's totally up to you. We're just here for a short time. You cut off the conversation. You move on to someone else as if they were not even there. So they feel a little bit left out now. So if they're still thinking about it, they may come get you. And you're kind of like, oh, yo, you're, you're still here. Yeah, you know, I'm still here. The deal's still still going on. You wanted to pick up one? Just one? Or, or did you want to pick up three or four today? Just the one? Hey, no problem. You know, I'm, I'm here for the rest of the day. So, yeah, everything is totally planned out. The only thing that changes are the specific words for the specific products or the specific campaigns you're on, but everything is constructed exactly the same. And you mentioned the ums in the presentation. Yeah, those are intentional. Number one, it's to make it appear not as scripted because everything that you hear from these people is completely 100% scripted. So if you add in an um or an uh or a pause every once in a while, it sounds more spontaneous. It sounds like, uh, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And then secondly, it does slow things down a little bit because when you use them, it's usually in the close. You're telling people how much it is or how much it goes retail, how much it is here, how much they're saving and how great a deal is. And then third, it's kind of like a, a regret kind of thing. Man, this is a really good deal. It's almost, it's almost ridiculous that I'm, I'm giving you this deal today, but you know, I mean, it, if, if you're really interested Here's what I can do. And you sound like, oh, man, I'm getting robbed. You people are robbing me for for getting this deal today. So, yeah, even the ums ums are completely scripted in those presentations. Which, like like you were saying, they're then also selling the job to you. I mean, all all of that is like sales techniques that have been around forever, but it takes it up a level in the pyramid to where they're actually using the sales techniques on you. So then you can use it on the customer. Yeah. So like this yeah. is chain of psychological manipulation and on the customer and on people who you interview to get them to want the job right. and to continue using on them once they're hired. Cause the then job. you're duplicating that same thing onto them. And, and you know, I'm, I'm so glad you use that word because there is a term in this business called duplicating yourself. Those are actual words from the business. If you duplicate yourself to enough people, then you will probably get promoted to owner, which basically means you have made enough copies of yourself. That doesn't sound culty at all. <laughs> made enough copies of yourself uh-huh. that once you open your own office, the, the place where you started will have enough resources to carry on, essentially is what that is. And, and you guys actually use the language of my owner? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My owner. Not even and thinking I, about it. Yeah, a couple, and a couple people have have pointed wow. out because one of one of the one of the uh, the girls that I uh, I interviewed for the web series online is African American, and she herself used that phrase. And a couple people pointed that out. How can somebody manipulate you so well for an African American woman to yeah. use the phrase "my owner" and to not think twice about it? That's how deep this business goes with the manipulation. In your personal experience selling, you mentioned you mentioned in the documentary that um, sometimes you would be in lower income areas where you had to really push this stuff on people that maybe they were buying some piece of junk 
but they probably should have been buying food with that money. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. I learned so much from being in the low-income stores. Now, now let me tell you this. Th this business frames days very specifically. One of the one of the complaints that new people will often have is there's not a lot of people in the store. And I remember my first owner, one of the if we ever came across that, her way of dealing with that was, okay, go out to the parking lot and count the cars. How many cars are in the parking lot? Okay, your store is busy. Sam's Club sees this many thousands of people a day. Costco sees this many thousands of people a day. It's, a, it's another repetitive script. So that immediately shuts down that argument of there's nobody here, even though there might be two people in the radius of, of how far I can go. So, so they shut that down. Another common complaint is, well, they don't have any money. But they stress the system so much. If, if you're coming at them with, they don't have any money or it's too expensive for them. They say, you're not emphasizing the deal enough. It's a great deal. No one in their right mind would turn it down. It's something you're doing. And again, it, it took me until after I was out of the business to really think about how screwed up it was. But when I was in those low income stores and I was selling a friggin' kitchen whisk for $40, and but it's the retail price. If you if you get it, you get two other free whisks. Because I mean, come on, guys, you have three whisks at home, don't you? I mean, where would you be without your three whisks? <laughs> so, but it was I was selling this whisk, and no one was buying it. And this, and we're talking about very low income areas. And despite what certain people in charge in this country might have you think. Low, low income people are not stupid. Okay. If they can't afford something, it doesn't matter how well the, the, the sales techniques work. Right. They're not going to buy it. Right. They're not going to buy it. So, so in the, in that instance, the systems don't work. Okay. They tell you in this business, just believe in the systems, believe in the scripts. They don't work. Now in an upper crust neighborhood where they're building six figure homes and new subdivisions, probably. Yeah. The systems work because those people tend to like things. They like to buy things that they really don't need. Disposable but, income. Exactly. Yep. But if you are living day by day, it doesn't matter what, what color you are. It doesn't matter what creed you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. If you are going to a store and you have $10 and you know you have to buy food, no sales pitch, no fear of loss, no other stupid anagram from this business is going to have any effect on you. I mean, that kind of thing is just, is just crazy. I mean, there's, there's almost, there seems to be almost like a class bias there of just like, we're biased. They are biased towards that upper class. It's like, that doesn't, it doesn't matter that these people don't have money to, to buy and you, this. You thing. actually, you, you actually helped me remember something. Yeah. When we would go into these stores with the the grocery stores where we were doing the free gifts, if we were in a low-income store, we were told to emphasize free, mm -hmm. free gifts. Yeah. Say it twice, mm -hmm. say it three times, and you would get sometimes 15, 20, 25 people over to your table 
because of those announcements. Right. Now, when you go to a an upper crust store, you say complimentary. You don't say free. We will be handing out complimentary gifts at this location. And it worked. See, that's a whole other element to all this, too. How it's just really using all the kind of psychological techniques, but you're basing, I mean, you're essentially in that case, particularly, you're basing it on class. Well, I was watching some of these other, I think you had some like a kind of almost like a, a appendix interviews um, with some other people that were uh, in addition to the film. And one lady was talking about how they were reaching out to everyone's spouses. Like they're trying to get everyone on board that people are marrying into this and mm-hmm. they're encouraging people to get married within the organization and that like, it's like the moonies man yeah it was like one of one of these people i guess were married and they're like kids were hanging out at it too and they're trying to get mm-hmm. their teenagers involved i mean that's that's yep. insane yeah it, and it kind of depends on who you talk to because supposedly in the business dating within the business is is frowned upon supposedly but there are so you know so many examples of owners who married, usually it's their admins, the receptionists. I could tell you at least, at least four examples off the top of my head. And, um, yeah, the, the one that you're speaking of, um, the, the owner, she's out of, she was out of Kansas city. I don't know if she still is, but yeah, she, she married within the business and they're bringing their kids around and they're helping out. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm almost frightened to know what they're teaching their kids about this business. Because if, if you really look at it that way, I mean, there's, there's nothing more cult like than that. Stay within, within the company, within the bounds, you marry within the bounds, you bring up your offspring within the bounds and that's all they know. That's frightening. Well, and just the fact of how demanding for time this has been to the people, you, you, if you want a relationship, a lot of people would actually have to have to find one within the organization because it's the only people they're basically ever yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, you, you are you are dedicating so much of your time to this business that, yeah, they are literally the only people, you know, like you don't have time for friends or family. If you do have a significant other or are married, you barely have any time for them. Um, so yeah, it's 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 kind of a catch twenty two. You're not supposed to date within the business, but if you have if you need a social life, you kind of have to find it where you can find it, and that's really the only place you can find it most of the time. Right. Uh, something I was wondering, wh- what is the male to female ratio like in these organizations? Is it predominantly female? You know, it seems that way. Um, when I was going through the business, I feel like, yes, there was an overwhelming majority being female. The majority of people that have reached out to me since the film came out have been female. Um, there are plenty of males involved, but I, I think there is definitely a female majority. And I think a lot of that speaks to just the whole MLM culture, because so many of the more what we, we might say more traditional or more well-known 
multi-level marketing companies are specifically geared toward toward females like LuLaRoe, for example, uh, 31, you know, you're selling purses, you're selling leggings, um, you're selling jewelry, whatever it is. And there's this, I've heard the boss babe mentality amongst these, these companies where it's these, these empowered females who feel like they're going to take control of their lives. How are they going to take control of their lives by selling crap to their friends and family? It doesn't make sense, but I, I definitely feel like this company follows the exact same attitude as these other MLMs have. Let's talk a little bit about the um, national leaders conferences, mm -hmm. how these are basically, they essentially bring these people in to these conferences and they, they basically have people trapped there. And some of the things that would go on, what, what kind of your experiences at these things yeah so the national leaders conferences uh they do them quarterly so four times a year um i really wish i, I could figure out the exact dates because being at the hotel at the same time uh, would be kind of fun at this point in my life but um no it wouldn't be fun i forget that i didn't say fun but anyway uh yeah so th they usually happen in dallas texas at the the hilton fort fort worth because if you, if you go to these companies' websites and or social media pages and they show photos from the leaders' conferences, it's always the same hotel. It's always people with the same name tags. It's the same thing every time, same conference rooms. Um, but, yeah, you're, you are insulated. Um, I went to one. So they have national leaders' conferences and they have local leaders' conferences as well. So the one national leaders' conference I went to um, was in Dallas. Uh, they flew you out. Uh Paid for your flight, um, three all-you-could-eat meals a day at the hotel, so you you don't pay for anything. And, but yeah, you are in a sense insulated. So they they pick the hotel, not right by the airport, but close enough that they can bus you, and far enough away that Dallas itself is like, ugh, I have nowhere to get there. So like, because when I went, I'm like, man, cool, Dallas. There's a couple things I want to go see, but then I looked, I'm like, man, we're far away. Like there's, there's no way we can get over there. And I guess I'm, I might as well just stay here, but you have no time anyway, because you have to be at the conference from in all the meetings. And when you're not in meetings, you have to network. You're supposed to be networking with people. So that's the expectation is you go to these, you go to these sessions. It's either trainings for new products or how good the opportunity is. New owners will, will stand up and say how great the opportunity is. Um, they'll have the, the long line of, of regional consultants and national consultants, people who are celebrities in the business. So people, and I'll only use first names, but if anyone who's listening to this knows the business, we're talking Kim, we're talking Kinsey, we're talking Brandon, we're talking Larissa, even Larry might even be there, the supposed billionaire boss of this business. So these are the same people all the time that people are encountering. Yep. Okay. Yep. And these are, these are the gods. These are the gods of the business that are the millionaires. These are the people that you want to become. They're better than you. Soak up their knowledge. The Charles, the Charles Mansons of the, uh, pretty much <laughs> yeah. this thing. So you go, you, and that's really what it is all weekend. Um, you're, you're, you're dined. The, the food is, is excellent. Three, three full course meals. You're networking. You might go to sleep at like, midnight 
because you've been networking all night. Some of the top owners might go to the bar and drink a little too much. And then you wake up at seven the next day for more meetings. After the meetings are done, you get on the bus, you go back to the airport, you look over all your notes and all the new contacts and all the new information you're bringing back to your office. You're supposed to feel invigorated. You're supposed to want ownership even more than ever before. And really, it's just one giant mind control weekend. That's that's literally all it is. Mind control weekend. <laughs> well, that gives us opportunity to talk about how a lot of a lot of this stuff is from other worlds. And something I've been studying lately is like a lot of growths of new thought and positive thinking and uh, hypnotism and neuro linguistic programming. So, have you? I mean, have you studied those at all? And can you talk about how, how the, like, especially neuro-linguistic programming kind of plays into this and how, like you said, they have their own language. They set up their own frames for people to even think in. And it's like the ultimate, mm-hmm. ultimate form of mind control, pretty much. Right. Um, and, and, you know, language is, is such a powerful tool um, because literally everything we, we know, we assign meaning to through language. So if you're giving somebody just a very narrow, like you said, a very narrow frame of expression in which to communicate, then they're going to have no other options. They're not going to know how to critically think, how to critically analyze other things. So, and I know that especially in the past couple decades, there's been a a huge emphasis, you know, you've mentioned a lot of of the movements toward, you know, positive thinking, positive attitude, uh, body positive, all these, all these positive, positive, positives you have to be a realist at some point, you know, it kind of goes back to the, the demographics in the store. Like you can follow these systems, these sales techniques to a T, but if I have $10 to spend, I'm not buying those shitty $40 whisks from you. You can, you can say whatever you want. I'm not going to buy them. So there's a difference between, yeah, being overly positive and being realistic. So we are seeing a pattern of that. Honestly, I think, one of my big interests um, it, within cults is Scientology. Uh-huh. And I've spoken to a few people, that, um, a couple people in the interviews online that have brought, brought this up. Because the whole idea behind Dianetics and Scientology is that man is in control of himself and that he needs nothing else. Yeah. So he can, he can cure his own illnesses. He, he is his own support, things like that. So it might not be explicit. But there are definite parallels between Scientology and this business because, in a sense, it's the same thing. Everything that happens to me, if I encounter a rude customer, it's because of something I was giving off to them. If if they were really interested in the product and they picked it up but then they, they dropped it off in another part of the store, which happens all the time, then it was something I did. I didn't close on them hard enough or I didn't stress the deal well enough. So it's literally the same philosophy outside things. I got a flat tire. Oh, you know, just put some air in it. You fix it later. Get to, get to the store. You have to be at the store. So that's the same, the same idea is that everything that happens can be blamed on something of myself, either something I did, something I said, um, in Scientology, it would be like your crimes. What crimes did you commit? W- what did you do? What did you think to make that happen to you? 
And that's kind of the very, very similar thing that you see in, in smart circle companies. Well, like the, this kind of manic positive thinking is absolutely essential to keeping you guys going in it because nothing else would, I mean, nothing else is sufficient to keep you motivated because you're having to postpone actually, you know, getting your supposed rewards. And it's like the only thing they have for you. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's why they, they emphasize it so much. And they, and they emphasize this idea of no negative thinking, don't neg out as they call it, because you're right. That is literally all you have. If you're, if you're working a 10 hour day and you've, you've got zero signups for direct TV or you've sold $200 in, in products, what's, what's helping you through the day. They talk about, you have to keep your attitude. If you start thinking negatively, it means you've lost your attitude. So do something that makes you regain it. It doesn't matter how often you lose it. It's how quickly you regain it. That comes straight from the script. So if you feel down, if you start to doubt yourself, take a break, go get a snack, go watch a, back then the vines were huge when I was in the business. Vines, they they're not that big anymore, but go watch a couple vines, you know, go watch a couple videos that make you feel good. Listen to your favorite song, call someone, network up, call someone that's going to uh, give you something else, something positive to think about. Don't call someone to vent. Don't call someone that's going to empathize. Don't call someone that's going to make you feel worse. Call someone that's going to make you feel better. Then go back in, re-energize and go at it again. So yeah, that is literally all you have because you're, you're, you have this carrot dangling in front of you, whatever you're in the business for, I'd say 98% of the people that get sucked into this business are in it because they've been sold this false idea of entrepreneurship and owning your own business. That sounds great. So of course I'm going to keep working. I'm going to do whatever I can to reach that. Right. It, 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 it feeds on the whole idea of, like you said, entrepreneurship, but it also feeds on this whole idea that you can be rich. You can, you can make it. You can be just as good as these people that are on or that are at the top and you can have the good life. And another thing that it does is that they use language that denigrates just normal workaday jobs mm-hmm. to make it seem like, you know, like we are so much better than them. And I think the term that's used is the we versus they mentality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if we are, we, and I'm saying we in the context of, of if I'm still in the business, we are so much better than these losers with their nine to five jobs who sit around in their office playing on their computers all day, making $25,000, $30,000. We're working towards something so much better that they will, that they will never have the gumption or attitude to want. You are fed that from the beginning. We are better than everybody else. So, and I've seen not just through this business, but people who who are part of multi-level marketing companies like Advocare, like Roden and Fields, like Mary Kay, they'll put up memes and say, you know, basically alluding to, you know, I'm better than a, a nine to five job. And they're barely able to pay their rent probably because they're not making anything. But they've been fed this idea that if you work hard enough for long enough, one day you'll get that carrot. Yeah. But the carrot never comes. Right. 
And this is another sign that is indicative of cults, and that's very much the we versus they mentality. Because I mean, you mentioned Scientology. I mean, they're very much they're very much like that in that they would say that we are the ascended humans, essentially. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is relying on psychology to solve their problems. Yes. Well, we've got it all figured out, and we're better than we're better we're better than the mass of humanity. Yep, Scientologists, Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah, yeah they they all follow very similar scripts. Yeah. So it's it's it it sounds to me almost that there, there is a very conscious attempt by someone that started these companies to emulate that. Like it's, they read entire, some of this yeah. material. It is, it is entirely possible. Yeah, I, I I honestly I don't know a lot about the people that um, that started the company. Yeah. Uh, this would have been in the in the early 1980s. Um, I know the two names that come to mind, um, Larry Tenenbaum, he's the head of Smart Circle. Um, Murray Reinhardt is another one. I know nothing about them, but if if you want to see, you know, maybe they do have some ties to religious cultism and and that kind of kind of thinking. It is it is entirely possible. I think there was a lot of deregulation going on around that time. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. Unfortunately, so we could we could we could talk about problems with '80s politics for a couple hours. But. <laughs> well, you said the uh, what is that Supreme Court case that really you, you said le- left a, a loophole open that these companies now operate under? Yeah. So uh, in the film, I, I mentioned briefly, and you know, I, I took a, a course in, in mass media law in, in college, so I was able to digest. It was a few years ago, but I was still able to kind of digest a Supreme Court ruling. It took a while, or an, an FTC ruling, not a Supreme Court ruling, an FTC ruling. But um, essentially what it said was there were certain certain things, certain ways a business could operate um, where it would not technically be a pyramid scheme. And among them were uh, if you were you, you were selling a product. So you weren't getting paid just to recruit people. If you were getting paid just to recruit people, it was probably a pyramid scheme. But if you had an actual product to sell to actual people, then that's okay. That That would be like – that's one way to do it. But what I found really interesting was it was right around that time when the FTC ruling ruled in favor of Amway that this business, or at least the beginnings of Smart Circle, Credico, Sidcor, they kind of come from that same time period, the late 70s, early 80s. So I don't think it's any coincidence at all that these guys saw an opportunity, maybe saw the the the, uh, the chance to build on what Amway was doing and come at it in a little different way from a, a, a on a much bigger scale, and I think that's exactly what happened. And to also talk about how when people leave these companies and they will try to kind of combat them by leaving reviews on job sites. And these companies are so insidious that they're able to just use these job sites or just overwhelming the system, essentially. Yep. Yeah, so Glassdoor is probably the main one. Um, you know, there are some there are legitimate reviews on Glassdoor. However, this business definitely 
not mandates, but strongly encourages people to go onto Glassdoor and write positive reviews about the company that they're working for. And usually they're very easy to spot. So if you if you know the language, or if you know just a little bit of the language of this business, words like opportunity. Oh my goodness! If you see the word opportunity, uh, things like things like well, if if you're somebody who wants to work a normal job, this isn't for you, or it's not for everyone. Unparalleled growth, things like that. You can very easily tell which reviews are posers in a sense and but they also do a very good job of a very scripted job but a very consistent job of responding to negative reviews so if you go on Glassdoor and one of these companies has a negative review from someone who brings up probably very legitimate points like we've been discussing they will go right to the script the manager or the owner will respond they'll go right to the script you know we're sorry that um, your your time here didn't meet your goals. It's not for everyone. We are a legitimate company. We have uh, uh, partners that are um, your Fortune 500 companies. You'll see that all the time. Um, so it's it's a great way of of trying to do damage control. But a lot of times they don't really even address the concerns that were in the actual review. A lot of times they attack the people that were that are doing the, leaving the critical reviews. Yeah, they just send out basically an army of trolls to take over these sites. And and you mentioned, too, that um, there's – when they recruit, you find something called Fair Business Re- Report. Yes. So it was, it was really interesting because <clears throat> I was doing research for the film. I was researching and writing it at the same time. And I kept seeing – on all on these websites of these companies that I was finding that logo fair business report. And I I thought, what is this place? Like I've, I've heard of better business bureau. Everyone's heard of better business bureau, but I've never heard of fair business report. So literally all I did was I went to Google. I put in quotation marks, fair business report. And I hit search every single result that came up was one of these smart circle companies. Now that's not a coincidence. So they have, they've tried. I I think a lot of people are are catching on to it, whether they've seen the slave circle or not. They've tried to make themselves appear more legitimate by creating this fake company or this fake organization that rates businesses. Because you'll notice every single smart circle company that is fair business report verified is verified five out of five stars on their website, which is absolutely ludicrous. So they've created this front to attempt to make their companies appear more legitimate. Now what legitimate, what actual legitimate business needs to do that? None. And it's an indication of, like I said, just how insidious these people are that they they control the information and it's also funny too how all those companies that are listed on fair business report they are all of them like five out of five stars you know it's all, it's all they're, they're perfect so rigged. They, they do, yeah. do nothing wrong nothing yeah. wrong yeah well here's a good question as we're kind of wrapping things up here should this stuff be illegal i think so yeah 
but you have to really navigate what are we outlawing? What are we yeah. making illegal? Because it's not illegal to sell something right. to somebody. Right. So you would really have to go in. You'd have to rework the language of what a pyramid scheme is. You would have to really narrow what a legitimate, if there is such a thing, as a legitimate multi-level marketing company is. Or should we should we be looking into legislation to outlaw all multi-level marketing companies? Not necessarily, not putting the companies out of business, but make the business structure illegal. So are you are Which you all independent? Are you independent contractors? That's how it works. How they get around a lot of labor laws. Yeah. So here's how I understand it. Now I never made it. I never made it to owner, but I've talked to a lot of people who have. When you open your own office, you're the you're the president of the company. You're the owner, whatever. You basically are granted an LLC. Okay. So. Um, you have a business entity, maybe maybe not an LLC, but you have a business entity. Okay, so you are in a sense in control of that business entity, but Smart Circle controls you. So the people that I've talked to when they sign the contract to open their office, along with that, they're also signing paperwork that states you will use Smart Circle's attorneys. You will use Smart Circle's um, digital media, social media creators, which I believe is a company called CGI. Um, you will use Smart Circle's financial advisors, Anguiano Consulting. You will use everything that Smart Circle provides. So you are your own entity, but that's pretty much it. Now, another thing that I've learned through talking with former owners is that Smart Circle also controls your money. So as it's presented in the opportunity meetings, as you're going through the business, when you get to owner and you're running all these shows and all your, your employees are bringing in all this money, you pay them a certain percentage, of course. You pay your, your bills, electric, lighting, all that. You pay your admin. You pay for new equipment. But then everything else, you take home. Now, the former owners I've talked to have said that is completely false. That money is put into a separate business account, but you have no control over that money. The only way you can get money out of that account is if you approach one of the gods of Smart Circle or your promoting owner and, and tell them, hey, I'm going to take out this money for this reason, and they have to approve it. So, so literally, there's you, you may own the business entity in name. And your name might be there. But apart from that, you have no control. You have no control in this company. But when, so when you start at the bottom, are, when you start at the bottom, yeah. are you just like a W-9 employee or what? I want to say that we are, in a sense, contract independent contractors right. um, because we're not eligible for any benefits at all. You know, we get no insurance. We get no time off, no anything. So I think they've worked it a certain way so that anyone who comes in might be working for this company, but there, there's some they're they're skirting the issue they're skirting the issue in some way that prevents things like lawsuits from happening. 
you know, for right. people coming go, coming after these these businesses and saying, you know, this is a this is a scam, this is a scheme. I was lied to. Um, now I have been contacted by a few people that have said there are lawsuits in the works, like in the court system, against Smart Circle and Credico and, and Sidcor. I think they're they're tied up legally right now, and I'm not a part of any of those, so I don't know the inside story. But just with the current government and regulatory climate, I am not at all optimistic <laughs> about it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think anything anything that even hints at regulating anything uh, is just not going to work. One of the people you interview in the in the documentary, Ashley, um, she makes a good point about a story that she actually got to talk to one of the Grand Poobahs at at this uh one of the national leadership conferences and can you kind of go into what that guy said because i think it's very revealing what could be really the true motivation behind these companies sure so so if i remember correctly ashley was talking about uh so she's talking about larry larry is one of the head one of the founders of the company his his picture is the first one you see if you go to devil corp's website under people um, and I, I met him too. Uh, I actually have a, I have a nice little photo with him and two of my comrades, uh, three, three of my other comrades from my time in the business. But, um, she, if I remember correctly, she said that she approached him and asked him, you know, how, how can you justify how people are treated in the business? Um, and she was, and I worked with Ashley, I, I knew her for, for, for quite a while and she's a wonderful person, very caring individual. So I, I know exactly where her, where her heart was. She was talking about how this business literally destroys people's lives. Like you are asking people mm -hmm. to give their heart, their soul, their everything to this for pennies in return. How are you okay with that? And according to Ashley, you know, I, I just go by what she said in the interview. Uh, he took it as this um, this idea of the the work, the treatment of the uh, the conditions of the people that are making the products, because every product sold by this company is made in China. So made for cents on a dollar, shipped back here, and. Prices jacked up and sold for however much. And uh, in the film too, Matt, one of the owners I interviewed, talked about how in inventory, um, the hair irons. So if you go to Sam's Club on any weekend, there's going to be someone selling you hair irons. That's that's Smart Circle. Uh, he said that a hair iron probably cost about five or six dollars to manufacture, but it was being sold for I think forty dollars in the store. So these people are they're literally and and I'm. Not singling out Smart Circle because many, many corporations do this exact same thing. They outsource to China the manufacturing where people probably get paid, what, cents a day maybe, yeah. if that much. And then – so that's – from what I understand it, that's how good old Larry – misconstrued Ashley, Ashley's question is that she was asking about the conditions of the workers in, in China. Um, so it had, it, his, he didn't even think about all these people in this country that have made him rich, all the sacrifices, all the, all the crap that they've had to go through to make him that rich. His, his mind didn't even go there. 
his mind automatically went to, well, it's cheaper to make the products in China. So that's what we're going to do. And, and like you alluded to, I, I think that that says all you need to know about him and about really the, the American corporate mentality is, is make it as cheap as possible, sell it for as, as much as possible, make as much as possible. And that's, that's the definition of a good American businessman right there. Yeah. And to add to that, that he was, I think that the interpretation of being that they really want to have the American worker work less, I mean, make less and work more. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what they're doing to these people that are the low, the lower level of this. Yeah. I mean, cause you essentially, how, how I understand it is if you open your own office, smart circle office is that you can, you can make the decision how much you want to pay your employees, but it's almost always going to be either minimum wage or right above minimum wage. And then if they sell, if you go by hours and how much money they, they make, if they make more than the hourly, then they'll make the commission rate. But yeah, I mean the, the, the American dream has been since the days of good old Ronnie Reagan to pay people less and to require more of them. And nothing's changed and nothing is going to change. So I, I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. Just look at how look at how much work it takes to raise the minimum wage at all. You know, it's it, it speaks volumes about the corporate mentality of this country. Yeah. Some reactions that people have had to this film. What flack have you gotten? Oh, all the flack you could imagine, man. Um, it's been, of course, the, the overwhelming, I will tell you this, the overwhelming amount of feedback has been positive because people can empathize. It has struck a chord. The amount of people that have worked in this business and been affected by it is astronomical. I, I can't even put a number on it. It's probably in the hundreds of thousands by now. So... If you're scrolling through YouTube or scrolling, like you said, on Amazon and, and you come across this video, it, it, it's going to strike a chord with some people because they lived it. They've worked it. So I've gotten so many responses and I, I love getting these responses from people that say, thank you for making this. I felt like a failure when I quit. You have presented it to show me that I, I, I made the right decision. My life is so much better off now. I don't hate my life. I can rest. I can eat. I can go to the doctor. I can do all these things that I couldn't do because this business was all consuming. So I get responses like that all the time, and I'm I'm grateful. I love those. And then I get responses from people that either are still in the business, who actually watch the film, because I don't know if you know this, but they are act some owners are actively telling people to not watch these videos, mm-hmm. which, which I welcome. I, I don't care because they're going to find them anyway, but they will, they'll, they'll say a scripted response. They will pretty much say, and, and I don't get them personally. That's, that's the thing. I have never gotten a personal message of a negative critique. And there are multiple ways to contact me, my email address, my business's email address, you can contact me any way you want. Not a single 
former or current Smart Circle employee has contacted me with a negative feedback. The only negative feedback I've received has been through public channels. So usually as comments on the video or as reviews on the, the Amazon version of the video. And it's always the same thing. It's always, uh, you know, these people are, 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 are too, too good to, um, to work hard or they're just not driven. They're not motivated. I'm in this company and I made a thousand dollars last week, you know, and I, I sold this many, I sold this much last week and it's just the same scripted responses. And it's just like the Glassdoor reviews. If you go to Glassdoor and you find one of these companies, you can very clearly tell which ones are fake, written by people that are still in it. If you go to the YouTube videos and you look through the comments, you can very clearly tell who, who was in the business when they wrote that because it, the words come straight from the scripts that are being taught in the business. So the vast majority of feedback I've gotten is, is positive. Um, and that's, and I'm, I'm happy with that. I knew I would get pushback. I knew that people would hate it. I knew people would be pissed off and I couldn't care less because I, I, I told the truth. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. I, yeah, I, I commend you for that. Um, it, it was very effectively done. Now, do you have another documentary that you've done? Yeah. So the slave circle is my second film. The first film I produced, um, I put out in 2014. It's called stagnant hope. It's about this. It's a totally unrelated subject. It's about the city of Gary, Indiana. So if anyone is interested in urban renewal and urban decay and political, pol the politics of, of racial tension, um, that might be something that they're interested in too. But that was my first film. I'm working on my next film right now. It's a little bit, it's another local history piece going, I'm going back to that. Um, but yeah, that's it, visual storytelling has always been a, a huge huge passion of mine all right and i wanted to ask you real quick about the how you made a like some of the pictures that you got sure did uh do you send somebody in to like get those pictures or are you talking about the, like the videos in the stores uh some of those yeah but also <laughs> when the like the first the, the section you talk about the first day did, okay so did you have somebody like go and roll act like they were interested or like how did you you know no I, and for a long time there i really debated with myself if i wanted to do that because i i knew i could get someone an interview for these companies it's not difficult right i very easily could have planted somebody right and had them wear, wear a mic or wear a, a a pin cam or something like that um in the end i don't know how it all would have worked in the process of putting the film together. So I decided not to do that nearly. Well, all the photos in the film are either photos that, that I took, which aren't many of those, or they're from the websites and, and the, the social media pages of these companies or the Google drive from the business itself. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the videos, some of them are the training videos. So like, if you see like the videos with the talking heads, with the lips, um, yeah, those are sure. training videos. Um, some of the videos we shot ourselves. We went into uh, we went into Sam's Club. We went into Costco, and we got footage of of these people selling their products. Um, it's it's not it's not difficult. Um, you know, any on any given weekend, especially 
you go into pretty much any Sam's Club or Costco, especially near a, a big city, like a big market, you will find at least one of these people in there either selling a product or oh, yeah. representing DirecTV. Some Sam's Clubs have outsourced their entire technology section to Smart Circle. Really? So if you go in and ask about the new iPhone or something like that, you're going to talk to a Smart Circle. Um, Whoa. Yeah. And you don't even know it. No. Yeah. You'll have no way of knowing it. I, I, I've I've seen these guys around. I've I've seen them in like Walmart and such and it, especially after watching your documentary and I was like, Yep. And but interesting thing happened to me one time I was so I have a delivery job and I was delivering to this uh to this like in the little office park that half of these little uh offices are actually there's nobody in them. Yeah. And I go in there and I see a bunch of people, they were actually sitting, but the language and the stuff that they were talking about and the way it's set up with all the whiteboards and everything, it was exactly what you had talked about in the film. And I immediately knew what I, <laughs> who those people were, <laughs> what was going yeah. on. Yeah, that might that might have been, if they were sitting down, it might have been a leaders meeting, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's probably what it was. Yeah, they make the peons stand up. <laughs> well uh this has been extremely interesting alex i mean this has been enlightening yeah. interview oh, yeah. was there anything else you wanted to ask there Phil, or no i think we pretty much covered it it's, uh, yeah we hit on everything we wanted to get into i mean it's this this is disturbing stuff it, it, i mean it really is and people don't think about this going on just like everywhere yeah. Yeah, I think the the most disturbing aspects are number one, it's 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 everywhere, and it's out in plain sight. Like yeah. there's there's it's not being there. There's no effort to really hide it. It's it's almost like business as usual. Because if you go into a Sam's Club or Costco, you don't feel like someone's trying to sell you a crappy product, right? These are nationally known retailers that have a reputation. So you would think that anybody that goes in there is you know, licensed or, or whatever. No, they just have a contract with Smart Circle to put people in there to bother bother your customers. But and, but the most sinister part is that they prey on the most vulnerable people. So people that are they're out of work, they need a job, so they'll settle for pretty much anything. They definitely target young people. Um, I was in my late twenties when I when mm-hmm. I got involved, so I was definitely a little older, but they are targeting college-age students, definitely fresh college graduates, but not always graduates. Uh, if you are an intern, they, they seek out people to intern. They sell them on the opportunity. They'll try to tell them to drop out of school because they need to donate full time to this opportunity to get the most out of it. So when that's, that's why I, I want to bring attention to this company because – you know, you can do any amount of research into MLMs and and find examples of how Herbalife and Mary Kay and LuLaRoe have ruined, literally ruined people's lives. Smart Circle is no different. Smart Circle has ruined people's lives. There have been people that I've spoken to who have made it to owner and they've they closed their office within a year and they either owed Smart Circle money or left with maybe a few hundred or a thousand dollars. And this was from a company that says, you reach ownership, you'll make six figures. So 
yeah, it's it's everywhere. And and unless you are really looking at the job boards and and these interviews with a critical eye, it's so easy to be manipulated and to get wrapped up into it because everything about this company is psychological. Wow. Where can people find the film? Um, if you Google uh, the slave circle um, or you could go to YouTube. Uh, what's interesting is if you go to YouTube and you put in smart circle, my film is the first thing that comes up, which makes me so happy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, smart circle. I don't know if you saw this, but they countered with a propaganda video a few months ago. It's called what is smart circle. Um, it's, I think it's the number two result if you go to YouTube and put in smart circle, but it is a wow, an overproduced feel good propaganda video. Um, that is directly a response to the slave circle. If you really look at the content, it is a direct response to my film. Um, but you can go to YouTube, search smart circle. You can go to Amazon, uh, prime video. The film is on there as well. If you like what you see, go back to YouTube. We have a full web series called the slave circle extra takes. You alluded to those other interviews. Those are all people that have contacted me personally after seeing the film and volunteered to tell their story. So we've interviewed former owners, former uh, admins, receptionists, former core leaders, uh, a national admin trainer, someone who was in the business for five years, uh, a college intern, and I'm producing more videos now. I'll have a few more up probably in the next couple months too. So um, YouTube Slave Circle and you'll find you'll find more than enough programming to hopefully satisfy what you're looking for. Excellent. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to close out this section, but stay on the line for us. Because sure. we'll be right back with some opportunities on Conspirator Arnold. <laughs> Well, I noticed that you've been listening to your ways to achieve success and that you're starting your Fortune 500 company. Yeah, I'm trying to hypnotize myself into success. So we've got a sponsor called, you may have heard of it, called ZipRecruiter. No, I've never heard and of it. And you can further hypnotize yourself into success. And if you want to help us and help the show and ZipRecruiter... On behalf of our partner, ZipRecruiter, here's why ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job so you get quality, qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Thus, rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal. And keep listening to your self-help records. All right. So ZipRecruiter.com slash Conspiranormal, guys. Check it out. now, back to the show.
so. So you getting ready to storm Area 51? Oh, you know it, man. I'm ready. I got my uh, I got my rail gun and everything. I'm ready to go. <laughs> that has been going it's crazy. Be like yeah, that has been going crazy on social media lately. People are just really eating that thing up. I wonder. I wonder where it comes from. What's our uh, What's your conspiracy theory on that? Man, I don't know. You think it's Tom DeLong? Yeah, maybe they're just going to unveil their one of their first craft is going to be out there, and Blink One Two is going to perform. <laughs> one of the craft they're supposed to build, right? The yeah. Interstellar spacecraft that they're going <laughs> to build. Or a prototype. <laughs> it doesn't fly. <laughs> you know, this isn't until September, right? This is like September twenty first or something like that. Sounds like a big like uh, fall equinox festival that's going to happen out there or something. They're going to immunize the eschaton out there, dog. Yeah, they're going to they're going to blow everybody up. They're going to make them a moon child. So we'll keep our watch on that one. All right. So thoughts on that interview? I am pretty impressed by that. Uh, that's some it's some scary stuff. Yeah, that was real cool. Um, it kind of prompted me to look back into the Nexium thing that I was following when that came out, but I forgot a lot about it. But yeah, indeed, uh, Nexium started as a. Uh, it was from Wikipedia. It, it is an American multi-level marketing company based near Albany, New York, that offered personal and professional development seminars through its executive success programs. The company has been described as a cult and a pyramid scheme and has also been alleged to be a recruiting platform for a secret society in which women were branded and forced into sexual slavery. Yeah, fun stuff, man. So, yeah, I mean, that's like we talked about, how these MLMs are cult-like. They can lay the foundations for actual cults. They're so powerful in their mind control. I would be curious to know if some of these guys that started these, whether what reading material they would have read or maybe what their backgrounds were or if anybody is that there they knew someone that maybe was involved in propaganda or some kind of mind control kind of stuff um intelligence world or yeah i think a lot of it probably just came out of this uh these uh sales and uh hypnotism world of this kind of post new thought kind of you know area like we're always exploring Right, I think a lot of it probably just came out of that initially, but it would be something interesting to research as far as some of these really big ones and the actual founders and see what their background is, like you're saying. Well, isn't it all that stuff? And we we talked, we did a whole show about this uh, a few episodes back, and all this new thought material is all based in hermeticism. It's all based in the occult. It's all based in that material, right? So I wouldn't be surprised to see if there wasn't some kind of cross-pollination right. there. Well, and I don't want to be too overly negative about new thought and about positive thinking because yeah. I think there's a lot of positive aspects to it. But like anything else, it could be misused. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a tool. Um, well, I think where the pyramid starts for a lot of the stuff is like, okay, say say you have some some great skill technique of uh convincing people to buy things or uh, a language system or something like that instead of actually using it just to advance yourself in your life you start selling it to other people 
And then a lot of them, instead of actually using it in their life, just learn it and then start selling it to other people too. And it kind of, so there's like two paths on a lot of that, you know, you can either actually apply this stuff to, you know, get you success in the world, or you're just like, well, I'm just going to duplicate this whole thing that I've been indoctrinated into and make my own one. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, at the same time, don't you, when you, it, to be successful, I mean, are you really going to not be able to step on anybody? Are you not going to be able right, to right. take advantage of someone, take advantage of the little guy? I mean, isn't that going to just be something that is going to happen naturally? And these type of things are just like a a, 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 a natural development that Outgrowth comes out of that. Outgrowth of our that. poor, our poor ethical worldview, pretty much. Right, right. essentially. I mean, you, you, we're, we're talking about uh, first of all a form of ultra capitalism, yeah. but. I made the point. Um, it's kind of like a social Darwinism, really. It is. And it's also feudalism, right. the way that this thing is structured. Right. Because really, you know. It's like the, sharecropping or it's like. Yeah. Serfdom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have the mass at the bottom that is doing really all the hard work, while the ones at the top benefit from that and they serve another master and that serves another master till you get to the very top. I mean, by definition, that's it's not feudal. really yeah. capitalism. That's a feudal society. When you're earning your, your freedom, you know, yeah. and it's indentured servitude yes and it's just weird to me that how they sell all these people especially young people like everyone's so obsessed with you know being an entrepreneur that's a big part of america but like you don't unless you're i, I guess in some instances like you're starting a franchise yeah you don't go to get a job to be an entrepreneur <laughs> you know what i mean you don't it's just kind of weird i don't know and unfortunately i've come across a lot of young people who don't have who haven't had their parents kind of tell them that this is type of stuff is bullshit and who haven't had annoying friends trying to sell them whatever or trying to get them involved in one of these schemes and they're just green to it and they're trying to tell you about it and it's like dude like yeah you know i've been around the block i've seen this crap i've gone to you know try to get a job somewhere and then they hit you at the end with oh well we need you to pay us to get this job you know like if, yeah going going to get hired to be an entrepreneur or or having to pay someone to get a job those are just I mean, my bullshit detector just is automatic with anything that even hints at that. So when I was first out of college, and of course this is, you know, uh, 2000, and I had moved down to Atlanta, and there was this magazine, that's probably still down there, called Creative Loathing, Lo Creative Loathing, Loafing, sorry, Creative Loafing. That was the magazine down in Atlanta. It was like their alternative weekly. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it had these um, these weird classified sections. And one of them just said, Pearl Jam. That's all it said. And I, I kept seeing this damn thing, and it said, make money quick. Work in a hip environment and this kind of stuff. It's before the band? No, I mean, the, the band was around, but it, it would also use other band names or something like that. But it was just, it was just a Pearl Jam, man. And Dude, get a job with Pearl Jam. So I go to some place in Marietta, some office park somewhere. And basically what it was was just all these groups of kids around the same age. I was roughly about 23, 24 at the time. And they're selling 
going around to office parks and selling knockoff, cheap reproduction of paintings. That's what they were doing. No, everyone wants that. So, so you ride. So I, I end up just like getting stuck with these two dudes all day, basically, as they're driving around <laughs> and like selling these paintings. And they, they were, they were selling some stuff, and they just kept talking to me about how, you know, hey, you know, I make up so much money, I can't even manage it. You, you have to take a course to manage it. And I'm like, okay, but by like the end of the day, I know like this is not for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying to make it all sound like. Uh, um, like like this is really what you need to be in like these two guys they're actively recruiting me as i'm riding around with them and of course you know here i am i dressed up for the event and they're you know wearing like t-shirts and and like you know just like shorts and um at one point like somebody actually came up to them in the office park and says this is a scam they took my money and this guy <laughs> the, the little short dude you know starts yelling at her and this is they just get into like this like verbal altercation right in front of me you know and uh I, by the end of the day i, I said oh, no, I'm, I'm i just like so are you interested i'm like yeah whatever guys and i just left and I can remember them also saying that they saw this girl get get out of the, one of the cars that she was riding with the people and leave. And they said, well, see, she's not interested. She's not interested in it. She's she's missing out on this opportunity or, or something you know, similar to that. So, like, I can, like, my bullshit detector was up. I'm like, I am not going to walk around and sell paintings. <laughs> it's not happening, you know. But it, it fed on that whole that that whole thing. It's like you can come in, you can work in a place with a good vibe, man, and you can have you know this is the this is your dream job, you know, and work from home, be independent. Yeah. So, a few months later, one of my other one, one of my coworkers at the time, he looks at me and he's he's like, man, I applied for this job, but like I I answered it, and it's like it, it, it and it said Pearl Jam, and I was like. Don't. <laughs> no. Do not. <laughs> do not try to get a job with Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah, it's not what you think. <laughs> it's not what you think. Where's Eddie Van? <laughs> just, just ridiculous, ridiculous. But but people, I think, really fall for it. And another, you know, it's not just this, not just these companies that do this. I mean. Uber and Lyft essentially work on the same model, if you really think about it, because they they sell this whole idea of you can set your own hours, you can make a little bit of extra money, and now people are and now that is at the point of oversaturation. Yeah. To where and now you've got these other companies that are delivering food, so that in and of itself is all I think a part of. But it, it works on the same idea, I think. Well, the same appeal to yeah, the, the idea same, of freedom. It has those same appeals, but at least those services don't have a. Uh, at least there's not that pyramidal quality of recruiting, and then you getting to a next level and all that kind of shit. You know. Yeah. Right. You just. You just. You're just driving. Yeah. And you're just making money. Yeah. Now, if it was like you know, all right, you start Uber and. If you can sign up five Ubers, you get to be super Uber, and then you can be regional Uber after, you know, I know they have referrals. And yeah, stuff like they've that got too, that. But they've got that. But yeah. it's not quite, I mean, it's not like this, and they don't have this, yeah. like, 
culture of indoctrination. But like you're saying, those same appeals of independence and making your own hours. And But they have, they have sold us that in that way. Yeah, without the old promises of what a steady job would provide. And Uber is one of the companies that's working on car or, or, or driverless cars. Right. So what they're going to now, they've made all these promises and now they're going to put yeah, everybody out of, of work. Now that could be 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of that's just speculation. But, you know, it, it, it's very much this whole American thing of you need to have the easy life, mm-hmm. which is unlike some of our ancestors that, you know, really toiled and worked hard to make a better life right? to that ultimate goal to give their children a better life. It wasn't, oh, I should have the easy life and the fast bucks. You know, now it's, and it's not dollars, it's bucks, by the way. Right. You know, it, now it, it's, it's almost completely different. And I think a lot of that goes back to some of this new thought stuff that we've talked about. Well, and how do they get these young people? Uh, I think it's the fact that a lot of these young people have, they don't even have the historical um, perspective to think that uh, things should be other ways. You know, they think this is normal. They haven't had too many jobs before. You know, this is, this is just how it goes. You know, this is what having a job is like, is being a total servant, you know, and the way they've gutted the humanities out of education, you know, kids don't understand what the labor movement is, why people had a better way life. They have no idea. So it's, yeah. Over here sounding like regular commies over here. Yeah, I know. I think we got some of my libertarian credentials revoked today. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, this stuff, uh, it'd be, it's going to be hard to make it illegal. But maybe there can be some pressure put on, say, like those big retailers, you know, participating in that kind of shit. Like, Yeah, I mean, it just depends on where this goes. I mean, you know, I think that Alex's documentary is a definite step in the direction of possibly looking at um, reforming some of this stuff. I mean, we're eventually, I think we're going to get back to, um, we're going to get back to some kind of reform system. It's going to swing back in that way. It's just going to happen. Because... Things are getting too out of control in the other direction. Things can get things can get out of control in the direction of just unrestrained greed, and things can get out of control in the direction of just the state completely taking over and and stomping everybody with an iron iron boot. You got to have something in the middle. I don't know, man. I mean, I think there are. Uh, I think everything right now is about fighting over social issues, and uh, <laughs> it's just going to keep moving this way. You know, I yeah. think that's the plan of like, uh, you know, of the people with all the money. Uh, Keep everybody busy good. trying to go yeah, uh, storm Area Fifty One. Yeah, yeah. Worrying about what Trump said last week, and you know, it just keeps. Yeah, exactly. Know, scary shit. All right, um, I think that's it. And guys, uh, before we leave, we do have an opportunity for you, and Serfia will tell you about that opportunity. As you listen to Conspiranormal and relax, you might think about perhaps increasing your monthly donation to Patreon if you are a patron, or you may feel the need to be a patron. Some may feel that, yes. <laughs> Some may at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Or you may love the feeling 
of general fulfillment that it gives you to give a one-time donation mm, yeah. to conspiranormal.com. We need to get a chick saying that. Yeah. Like yeah, that I whole so. spiel. I mean, we already kind of have that, but we need, we, need, we need to really do that up. But just remember, guys, to join and become a Patreon, it's only one buck. One buck. One buck. All right, now, guys. We used to have an introductory, uh, introductory uh, uh, of $5, but is now one buck. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what we, who we got coming up next. That's what hypnotic <laughs> no, language right. does to you. Right. What happened? I think we're talking about evil archaeology on the next show. So, guys, cool. uh, we're going to talk about Pazuzu and shit like that. So, join us next time on Conspiranormal. Fight the power. more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details